0: Y'all do a good job of drowning out my voice most of the time. Today I had to pick up Todd's spot since he wasn't here. But that's okay. This morning we're going to jump back into the book of Revelation. Into chapter 2 looking at another church. The church of Smyrna. It was a small community and yet it was a big focus in the early 1st century through the 4th century. The church was beginning to endure Persecution. The Romans were brutal, but there is more than that. In Smyrna specifically, the Jews were the outstretched arm of Caesar. The Jews continued to persecute those who said they were Christians, followers of Christ. One such man was a pastor in the church of Smyrna. He was actually known back then as a bishop, and his name was Polycarp. Polycarp was a disciple under the apostle John. He learned much from John in his time with John. And Polycarp stood firmly upon the Word of God. He preached the gospel of Christ in the church of Smyrna. And the Jews were incensed because he preached Christ as God. He preached Christ, the risen Savior. He preached against their religion of tradition. And they incensed the people against Polycarp And they continued to persecute the church there. And one day, they got the Romans involved. And they incited the magistrate against Polycarp. And they came and they got Polycarp out of his home. He was an old man at this time. And they told him, renounce Christ and name Caesar as king. And Polycarp refused. They wanted him to offer incense to Caesar to save his own life. And out of this comes the immortal words that we remember. For 86 years I have been Christ's servant, and He has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my King who has saved me? i read that again. For 86 years I have been Christ's servant, and He has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my King who has saved me? And with those words, the crowd was incensed and full of fury and anger. And they tied him to a stake and considered to burn him alive at the stake. Guess what? Didn't work. The flames went out and Polycarp was still alive. Therefore, they stabbed him to death after that. But he refused to bow the knee to man, to tradition. He refused to bow the knee to the Jewish people. He refused to bow the knee to the Romans. He refused to bow the knee to Satan. Because that's what we do when we refuse to acknowledge Christ as God. That's what we do when we turn to man's traditions and we forsake the Word of God. When we tell God that we know better and we have a better way, that's exactly what we do. This morning's message is, Beware a Synagogue of Satan or Satan's synagogue. And it's fitting, because the church in Smyrna was one of the earliest persecuted churches. And as we just listened to the story of Polycarp, which is in your history books, if you want to read it, or it's in a book of theologians, you should know. i have got that, too, if you ever want to borrow it. But the early church, so Smyrna pictures the early church in the first of the fourth century. There's great persecution going on. But you know what's interesting? Is today there are more people being martyred for the faith than there was back in the early 1st through 4th century. Christianity is still being targeted today. Why? Because Satan is very much still alive. And he very much hates God. And he hates God's people. So what is he going to do? He's going to continue to incense the heart of people against Christianity. Do you know there's a new movement out there? It's actually not new. It's actually old, but it's under a new name, and it's called Progressive Christianity. It's very much new in our culture, and it's very big. They label it as the Christianity for those who don't like Christianity. That should give you a little, like, ooh. That should perk up your ears and your heart to, okay, what's the difference then? If Christianity obviously offends people, what is it about this new Christianity that's for people that don't like Christianity? not loving your God. It's about the relativity of God and not the transcendency of God. It is no longer about man as small in the eyes of God, but man is as big as God. and can do just as much as God can in his own way. It's going back to pantheonism. It's going back to all these old false religions that are filled with the wisdom of man and the foolishness of God, the foolishness of the cross, because man doesn't have a sin problem. He just has a problem with sometimes doing the right thing. But sin is no longer called sin. It goes back to Rob Bell's movement of love wins. You can live your life any way you want because God is love. God is not wrathful. God is not just. That is one of God's creatures. From the fall. <laughs> From the fall, okay. But as we learn this morning, those who follow Christ will stand for Christ despite what happens. Let's read now in Revelation chapter 2. It's a short snippet this morning, but there's a lot there. Verses 8 through 11. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last who is dead and has come to life, says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that we have the privilege of sharing in corporate worship. We thank you for the awesome opportunity we have to come before you at all times because of what Christ has done. That is nothing that we have done, we are not deserving We are not good, we are not holy people, but because of Christ and his righteousness, you clothe us in his holiness and his righteousness. Father, help us to continue to strive for obedience, that as we continue to grow in our love and admiration for who you are and what Christ has done, that that would be the outpouring of our hearts, is obedience to your word. But Lord, we also ask for faithfulness. Lord, times of trying and times of persecution are coming. Your word promises that in this life there will be tribulation. That if we name the name of Christ, we will be hated. Father, help us to be faithful, even when those hard times come. And help us to never cast aside the name of Christ for our own self-protection, if you want to call it that. Lord, we just ask your blessing upon this time. Upon the reading of your word, that we may continue to be changed more and more into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Polycarp, the bishop of Smyrna. And yet, here we are, reading about the church in Smyrna. Kind of fitting how that works. There's a lot of false religion out there. But there's one thing that we can take heart in. When persecution comes, the church will be shown for what it is now what i mean by that is is when persecution comes those who do not truly believe in christ will quickly scatter from the church and distance themselves from the church why because i guarantee you i'm not going to die for something i don't believe what do you believe because when persecution comes and it will come in one form or another the church is purified and continues to stand. Do you know the church actually grows immensely through persecution? It's one of the beauties of the church, is that when the church is persecuted, growth happens. Why? Because Christ is more clearly seen in our sharing of his persecution than he is in our comfort. Oftentimes, the church will continue to show the characteristic and beauty of the forgiveness of the cross, How? By loving those who persecute them, by standing faithful to the word of God, by standing upon Christ and Christ alone, by learning to let go of the transiency of this life and cling to the cross. It is because we would be empowered by Christ to stand. Without Christ's spirit living in us, we would not stand before the persecution of men. But because he has given us of his spirit, we have the promise, not only of salvation, but the promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Why? Because it is Christ's church. And he's the one that binds and holds it together. And that is what we see here in the church in the message to Smyrna. And he starts off, and the angel of the church of Smyrna right. God continues to call out to his people. He continues to invest himself in his church. He continues to call out and say that you are mine. He continues to call out and say, this is my word for you. Take heart in that opening statement that Christ continues to speak to his church. You know, when he said, write this down, you know, we still have it here. That's why we're reading it. Because God deemed it fit. For the church of all ages to read. Why? Because it's profitable. Why? Because it's God's warning to us. Why? Because Satan is still alive. Because Satan still hates Christianity. Why? Because it reflects the glory of God. Do you know that the church is supposed to be an image of Christ on earth? It's supposed to show the world the love and beauties of Christ. The beauties of God. Why? Because when you take away the sinner and you put Christ in a redeemed person and they show Christ to the world, it's either offensive or it's beautiful. Jesus didn't say he came to bring peace, but a sword. He didn't say that he came for your comfort, but he came so that you may be comforted. If you're comforted, that means you need to be comforted from something, right? He didn't come to say that you're going to have life abundantly and bliss and peace. No, he said you're going to have life abundantly. Why? Because we're being changed more and more into the image of our creator. We're being changed more and more into the image of the one who came and bled and died on a cross for our sins. For the one true God who was persecuted for speaking truth. He died for truth. He died for the glory of God are we to do less. And he continues, the first and the last, who is dead and has come to life, says this. I'll tell you what. It's interesting because he specifically picks which title of his description that he chooses for each church. And here for the church of Smyrna that was being persecuted, that people were being put to death for the faith. Is that not a comforting thought? The first and the last, he who is dead but is alive again. There's the promise of the resurrection, greater hope and motivation do we have than knowing that this is not all life has to offer that this is not the only heaven we will ever know as a Christian this is the only hell you will ever know but for the unbeliever this is the only heaven they will ever know and that's a sad truth to take because honestly if you really truly reflect on life it's not all that great there's wars there's sickness there's death there's anger there's hatred I could go on and on all day about all the horrible things in life. Yet, there's also beauty in life. Why? Because God created it and God said it was good. Don't take it as in, in the way that some of the Gnostics went as all matter is evil. It's not that. The beauty of Christ through a fallen creation. I don't know about you, but we planted flowers yesterday. We had a good time just after, as my wife says, after a dreary winter, throwing color around. And yet, we haven't truly seen the beauty of a flower because it's still tainted by sin. Imagine the day when we finally reach glory and we finally get to stand before God and after the millions of years that we sit there on our face in humble worship and we actually get up and look around and we see flowers without the tainting of sin. How different will it look? For you, it may not look brown. It might look a different color. But for all of us, we will see something different. (laughs) But we'll also see more and more of the reasons why we worship God. Do you realize everything that God created is to show us that we are to worship him? It's to show us how great and magnificent he is. We are a creative people. Why? Because our God is a creative creator. We have intelligence. Why? Because our God has intelligence. We mimic our Creator in so many ways, and yet how many people put on the blinders and see it just as a random chance? But Christ says, I am the first and the last who is dead and has come to life. We have the guarantee of a second life, a life without the hindrance of sin in our flesh, a life in surrender to God, in holy worship and holy attire, in truth and imperfect righteousness. I don't know about you, but that sounds really good. I get really weary of this world. I get really weary of the heartbreak. I get really weary of the abuses. Sometimes I feel really old. But Jesus says this I know your tribulation. You know, it's interesting to each one of the churches, he starts off, I know. That tells us something. God not only created everything, but he continues to be active in it. He doesn't turn a blind eye and doesn't understand what is going on. But he not only knows, but he knows intimately. He knows the thoughts. He knows the intents of the heart. We talked about that a little bit on Wednesday nights. Is The heart is wicked above all else. And yet we know that the Word of God and the truth of God can give you insight into the understanding of your heart. It can help you discern and divide the intentions of your heart, your motives, your actions. And Jesus says, I know your tribulation. You know, there's not much more that we can be more like our Christ in than in our tribulation. Why? He was a man of sorrows, and he was persecuted. When the church is persecuted, it is so much like its Savior. And I know your poverty, but you are rich. what does he mean by this? You're poor, but you're rich. You know, God has a very special place in his heart for his poor saints. <laughs> but you know what? We, this is reminiscent. We just went through the book of James. And do you remember in there where it's talking about how God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? So he's not talking about earthly riches. He's saying, yeah, you may be materialistically, you may be poor. But you are rich. How? Rich in faith, rich in good works, rich in love towards one another. Rich in the fact that you stand firm upon your belief in Christ. There's no greater riches than standing for truth of who Jesus is in the face of persecution. There is no greater riches than saying to others, it is Christ and Christ alone that matters in my life. What did God say? Why fear man who can only put the death to death the body, but why not fear God who can destroy both body and soul? There's more to man than just a body. We have a spirit, a soul. Fear God and stand firm. Love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Pride is a great tool the enemy uses. Pride of life. (laughs) But we are to resist it. We are to be humble. Why? Because Christ is humble. And I know your poverty and your tribulation. Sometimes poverty can be a trial, can it not? Sometimes it's difficult to be poor and to look up. Sometimes it's difficult to say, Lord, help I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how many times when I was first married and we had like maybe $2 in our account after paying our bills. I didn't know how I was going to pay the next bill. You know what? I always had what I needed. We never missed paying our bills and we never missed a meal. Should we not be content in that? Sometimes it's easier to trust when you don't have a lot of riches around you, right? Sometimes you get comfortable. But Jesus says, even though you are poor, You are rich. He says, not only do I know your tribulation, and I know your poverty. Now, that's interesting. Because Jesus went through much tribulation, but he was also poor. What does it say? The Son of Man didn't even have a place to lay his head. When he went out and about in his ministry, he didn't sit there and work and make money for a living and pay his expenses. He trusted in a faithful heavenly father and through that Christ showed the richness of who he was and then he goes on to say in the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews but are not you know it's interesting that really hadn't changed much in the four centuries after Christ either did it turn with me to the book of Mark Mark chapter seven in Revelation and then flip back to the Gospel of Mark. It's interesting. Not much has changed. And honestly, not much has changed yet, even today, 2, 000, over 2,000 years later. Beware of tradition. Beware of false teaching. Mark chapter 7. Let's start in verse 1. Let's start in verse 5. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, who is Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? But they eat bread with their impure hands. And he says to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, and it's written in Isaiah 29, just for a reference for those of you who make notes. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men neglecting the commandment of God you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses says, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But well, we wouldn't have a lot of people around anymore, would we? If we follow that one? But you say, if this man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that I could help you with is Corbin." That is to say, given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his mother or his father or mother. Thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down. And you do many things such as that. What Christ is saying here is man is good at making things holy that are not. Of making a religion out of his opinion out of making a religion, out of tradition. Do you know, I'm going to use an example from the Amish church. In the Amish church, the men and the women sit on separate sides. Men sit on one side, women on the other. You know what happens to people that are married that have lots of little kids? It's constant passing back and forth of kids. Dad gets tired of this one, brings it to Mom gives him that one, and the kids are just back and forth, back and forth, and it's really distracting. I actually took the time and I asked him. I said, why do you do this? You guys are up back and forth through the whole thing. Why do you do this? Well, I don't know. We've just always done it that way. Ah, let's have an epiphany. Let's think about why do we do it? Because of tradition or because it actually has value? How many times do we find ourselves doing things that we really don't understand why we do them? We do it because we've always done it that way or because it's tradition. Why do we have a Christmas tree? Well, it's tradition. I'm not saying tr- Christmas trees are bad. Don't get go there. I'm not going that direction. But... All the things that we do in life, why do we do them? Because spiritually they have value or because it's just tradition? Jesus was saying, oftentimes, those who sneak into the church and undermine the church, the true church, are those who say they're followers of Christ and are not. Because they institute their own tradition. They institute their own values into the church. And it looks similar in practice. The progressive church looks very similar to a Christian church. But it's very different. You know, what's interesting, too, is Polycarp, when he was alive, before he was martyred, he actually had two people that he rebuked. One of them was an immoral man, and he rebuked him lightly. Another was a false teacher, and he went relentlessly after him. Why? Because false religion will destroy the church quicker than immorality will. Not saying one is worse than the other in the sense of all sin is sin. But those who sneak into the church and who teach blasphemy and who teach lies are the ones that are out to destroy the church of Christ. They are the ones that hate God with a passion enough to destroy the church. To try to cause those who are faithfully following to fall away. What did Jesus say? To the Pharisees, woe to you because when you make a disciple, you make him twice the son of hell as he was before. Because they teach false doctrine. They teach the things of men, the tradition of men as the doctrines of God. We are to be very careful to make sure that we are following what? Scripture and scripture alone. Do not interject our own personal opinions. Do not interject our own personal traditions. But what we do is to be steadfast on the word of God, to fall in line with what God says is right. Why? Because God's always right. You do realize that I make mistakes? I know, you all are like, no, yes, I make mistakes. I make a lot of them. God doesn't. Are we following God or are we following our own ideas, our own motives, our own understandings? What guides and governs our lives? What principles do we use to stand upon? Because this will become important when the church comes under persecution. I've said it a hundred times, and if I've said it a hundred, I'll say it a hundred and one. If you don't understand what you believe, you won't stand there very long. Know why you believe you are a Christian. Know why you believe this is the absolute perfect word of God. Understand why you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If you don't, you won't stand there very long. When persecution comes, you will fall away quickly. Get into the word of God. Know who God is. Why? Because that's how you know God. God says the beginning of wisdom is to know and to fear me. How do you know God and fear him unless you know who he is? The greatest weapon the church has is the spirit of God that gives them understanding into who he is. Don't make an idol. Don't put God in a box. How many times have we said something that later we found out wasn't necessarily true, but it was something that we've heard a hundred times? If you hear something, see if it's true. This is true. Every word of it. This is not man's interpretation of God. This is God's interpretation of himself. Use it wisely. They are a synagogue of Satan. Those who are opposed to the truth of Jesus Christ. Those who are opposed to the truth that he is the Son of God that he was sinless, that he lived a perfect, righteous life and died. Why? To cover my sin. Why? Because I'm a sinner. Every one of us, you don't have to teach your children to be sinners. They are naturally very good at that. And it's very difficult oftentimes for us, even who are saved, to put it aside. Why? Because as Paul says, we must beat our bodies into submission daily. Why? Because this is not an easy life. Our pride, our desire for comfort, our selfishness, all these things still sneak up. Just because you name the name of Christ does not mean you will be perfect. Okay? You are to seek to live a righteous and holy life because that's what's pleasing to the Lord. But you will not do this perfectly in this world. Does not mean you're not supposed to try, though. Then he goes on to say, Do not fear. You know that commandment's given 365 times in the Bible? Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Why? Because man is a fearful creature. Why? Because we know our frailty. I know most teenagers think they're invincible, but everybody understands the fact that they can die. Quite easily. We're not at the pinnacle of strength in God's creation. Go up against an elephant for a wrestling match and find out how weak you are very quickly. Man is not strong in and of himself. And yet, we've seen through the testimony of righteous man after righteous man, the strength of God working in man is awesome. Do not fear what you are about to suffer you know what? The church is going to suffer because the church stands for truth and Satan hates truth. Why? Because he's the father of lies. And he says, behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison. You know that's happening already? Our neighbors to the north in Canada, there's been a couple pastors already tossed into prison. Why? Because they're still holding church. Why? Because there's a pandemic, right? No, not really, but that's what they want you to believe. Why? Because their government is trying to control the church, trying to control the people. The government is seeking to find out how much control they can have over people. And unfortunately, it's quite a bit, because a lot of people will blindly follow. But what does it say? You will be cast into prison. Why? So that you will be tested. Now, what happens when you're tested? How many of you guys have ever had a test? Cool. Kendall, you've never had a test? You had a test in school? Maybe? Not recently. Not recently. Okay. So, for a test, sometimes we do what? We study, right? Well, what commandment do we have in Scripture that goes along with study? Study to show thyself approved, right? God says study. What should we do? Study study God's Word. Why? So that when the testing comes, we will stand firm and we will pass the test. God gives us everything we need, 2 Peter 1, for life and godliness. Everything we need. There's not anything that we need in this world that God has not already given to us in Christ. So that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Now, that could be 10 literal days. It could be the 10 years of persecution the church, or 10 centuries the church faced persecution under the Romans. It could be a lot of different things. We don't know. But you know what? God says there will be tribulation, and it's guaranteed. So, there will be tribulation. And as they are tried, they are to stand faithful. He says, be faithful until death. You know, that's a commandment. Be faithful. You don't say, I hope you're faithful. He doesn't say try to be faithful. He says be faithful. Why? Because in all, in Christ, all things are possible. Because it's not counting on ourselves. It's not counting on our strength. It's not counting on our wisdom. It's counting on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life was a special thing given to martyrs. We see a picture in the book of Revelation of the martyrs under the throne crying out, "Oh Lord, how long? And he says, wait a little while. Why? Until the number of you have been fulfilled. God knows those who are his. God knows what we are going to go through. But he's also equipped us to go through it. No matter what it is. Be faithful until death. Whether that's 10 years from now, 100 years, or whether it's tomorrow. Be faithful until death. We as Christians are to be faithful in all things. And we are to be faithful until the end. And then he says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, God doesn't speak to the church through his word to no end. In Isaiah 55, he says, He promises that which he sends out his word for will accomplish all that he sends it forth for. We have the promises of God in his word. And every one of them will be fulfilled. Many have been. Some are yet to come. But God will accomplish everything that he set his word forth for. Take that to the bank and know that it's there. And then he says this. If you have an ear to hear, he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Who are those who overcome? The church. Those who name the name of Christ and stand fast. Not those who say they are Christians and are not. Not those who say, I believe, but as soon as persecution comes, they run out the door and run the other way. There's a church in the underground church in Russia, and two Russian soldiers came in because Christianity is illegal. And they had rifles. And they said, everybody who doesn't want to die for their faith, get out. Many left. When they left, they said, good, we're Christians too, but we wanted to make sure that this was a safe place to worship persecution will purge the church of those who don't believe. Why? Because like anybody else, you're not going to die for a lie. How many of you would be willing to die for a lie? No, I wouldn't. Unless I know it's absolutely true. Ain't no way. What is truth? That's the question he leaves us with. What is truth? Because that's what you're willing to die for. Find truth. Hold on to it. Keep it. Because Christ is faithful, therefore we can be faithful. You know, that's a great promise. It's because of Christ, we can be faithful to the end. And he will not be hurt by the second death. What is that? That's hell, right? It's a lake of fire that has been set in place for Satan and his demons and for those who disbelieve. It's a very real place. It's not just something that's made up to scare children into believing something. It's a very real place, just as heaven is a real place. Do we have ears to hear? Do we have a willingness to look at our hearts? This morning we're going to partake of communion. Do we have a willingness to look at what is in our lives that would hinder us from communion with the Lord? Do we hold anything against our brother? What does the scripture teach us? We should leave it at the altar, go and make it right with your brother, and then come back and make your offering. Why? Because sin is a very serious matter in the church. Because sin is something that needs to be dealt with immediately so that it doesn't sit and fester and grow, so that it doesn't cause resentment, anger, hatred, jealousy, envy. Deal with sin. You do you realize that Christ confronted sin head-on all the time? And he expects his church to do the same. Why? Because we are to be made in the image of Christ more and more every day, to be conformed to the image of our Savior. He took sin seriously, serious enough to go to the cross. He made, we're going to use that big word, propitiation for our sins, right? He made atonement, sacrificial atonement. It's very important to understand that. But as we come to communion this morning, I'm going to ask that question, where are you at? It's not for me to know, it's for you to know. Where are you at? Weigh your heart before the Lord. Weigh your attitudes before the Lord. And if you don't know where you're at, ask Him to show you. You do know that God loves to show you where you need to confess because He knows how blind we are to it. He loves us enough to deal with us. It's just like Harrison. If your parents didn't love you, they wouldn't correct you. Abigail, if we didn't love you, we wouldn't correct you. It's the same thing with God. As he calls us children, we're not illegitimate. That's what the book of Hebrews teaches us. If we were illegitimate children, he would never correct us. Is God working in your life? Is God exposing truth to your hearts and illuminating places in your hearts that you need to deal with? Deal with it. Don't wait till later. You do realize what does scripture say? All men will confess before the Lord one day. Why put off for that day what you can do today? Every man is held accountable before the Lord for his sin. What are you doing with yours? And if you tell me you don't have any, we we can have a long talk later. But let's pray. Father we thank you for the truth of your word that you have not left us to ourselves that when the hard times and the tribulation comes that you are right there with us because you have suffered so you can comfort those who are suffering because you have been made a perfect high priest because you were made in the likeness of your brethren and yet were without sin because you endured the cross and its shame so we can take heart we can take courage Why? Because you said, I have overcome the world. And all that the Father has given to me, I have not lost one. Father, thank you for that promise that we can stand firm in Christ because you have lost none. And Lord, may we be a worthy church. Worthy to be called a Christian. And we know that it is because of the blood of Christ that we have been called to be like Christ. Father, help us to be humble, help us to be faithful, help us to stand firm, and help us to sure up where we are unsure. Help us to ask for help and to ask the questions that we need when we have them. Help us to not blindly stumble through this life. Help our lives to glorify your name. May we not make your name ashamed by our actions, but may others look at us and see Christ in us. And Lord, may your church be a beacon of hope to the world around us. And may we be faithful to weed out false doctrine. May we be faithful to weed out those who say they are Christians and are not. May we be faithful to know your word that we can hear truth and see truth and know what it is. That way when false doctrine comes, we can be quick to disprove it that we can be quick to say, aha, this is not true. This is not the gospel. Lord, the gospel is good news. Why? Because we have a sin problem, and Christ cleansed us of our sin. He washed us anew in the blood of the cross. The blood of the lamb was perfect and acceptable. That is why he was able to say it is finished. That is why he can intercede for his brethren. Lord, help us to be faithful and help us to be thankful. And above all, may we be joyful as we celebrate what Christ has done. In Jesus' name.